In case you missed it, we went curling last night. Some of you, we, we stopped by your house, and I'm just going to throw this one out there because this, like, has never, it's one thing that has never happened before, and it will never happen again. Pastor Chris and I sang a duet. <laughs> just saying, okay? It was sweet, okay? Never will you hear anything quite like that again, uh, so don't ask. Uh, but it was fun. Anyway. No, I said it was a it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and you missed it. Okay, it's kind of like the Vikings game yesterday. Only this was better. Okay, can you believe that? What in the world? I, you know, as, as I think about different aspects of Christmas, we can't help but have things come to our mind. Christmas plays with the kids certainly would be one of them. There's some songs that maybe when you hear they create a fondness or memories of your past that you kind of want to relive. One of those happens to be, I don't remember, I, I can come up with it if you give me enough time, but an Amy Grant song, and I'm not necessarily an Amy Grant fan, but I have this memory of my mother's listening to Amy Grant's Christmas in the living room at home growing up. I don't know what creates that moment, but somehow I relive it when I hear this Amy Grant song. And it's not bad. You know, it's about the only aspect then that I can tolerate when I listen to Amy Grant is as long as it's this song. I'm sorry. If you're an Amy Grant fan, I'm, I'm not opposed to Amy Grant. I'm just not a big fan. Uh, I guess I'm not from Tennessee. Maybe that's the difference. But there's some of those Christmas specials. And, and specifically, I remember the Charlie Brown Christmas special. All right? And there's the moment in this, and I just, I really, have, I, even as a kid, I loved it. There's that moment when Charlie Brown is in the midst of the Christmas pageant. He's done all that he can to try to find some reason to celebrate this Christmas season. And he comes up and he, he kind of cries out near the end of it. says, can't anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And then you have thumb-sucking Linus, who can't get past his security blanket, says, I can tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he ends up going out and taking center stage, and he, he lays out the Christmas story, and he does it wonderfully. And he's right. And I can't help but, but now as I've, I'm in here, I've heard that story so many times. I've watched that Christmas special so many times, and yet there's something that, that is stirring within me. And it's not just the articulation of the story that we read, but there's something that's a little bit more, I feel, not more than what has ever been, but more in my understanding. And that is what really the Christmas play was pointing to you if you saw it just now. It's what faith talked about. It's this fourth week of Advent that we acknowledge. But when I look at Christmas and what is Christmas all about and what is the meaning of Christmas, it's not about the gifts under our trees. And we know that. For those who are gathered, we recognize that. Yeah, you know, we certainly still do it and we participate and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the significance of it. That's not the meaning of it. And this goes contrary maybe now to what you may be thinking at Christmas. You go in and invite people to share what's Christmas all about. Inevitably, you'll find someone that'll say, oh, it's just about being with friends and family, the gifts and such. That doesn't really matter. That's not it either. As good as those moments can be, that's not what Christmas is all about. And if we just give the phrase, well, it's about Christ coming, that is true. And that is what Christmas is all about. But what does Christ bring I think is even the bigger factor when we look at what is Christmas all about and the answer being it's what Christ brought. It's love. 
You know, when we look at Scripture, I have a whole mess of Scriptures up here, and we, I don't know that we have time to them, so I'm going to do my best to remember what I've put up there. Maybe if I have work with me, if I have to flip through and, and find some slides. But there's a moment in Jesus' life. So we, we look at the, the Christmas story. We know that Luke 2 passage pretty well. If you don't, go watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Linus will lay it out for you nice and clearly, okay? Has anyone not seen it? I only ask that because I see a few people. I'm sorry, Adam. Come on, step it up, okay? (laughs) I don't mean to call you out on that, but really, this is a classic, and you need to go home and watch it. I actually expected Chris and Laura to raise their hand, and they didn't either because they're ashamed to say that they haven't watched it or whatever the case is. This is worth watching. Anyway. We know the Luke 2 passage. We know that story. But Jesus, in the Gospel of John, gives us, in a way, the basically encapsulated picture of this. So John, the the author of the Gospel of John, he was one of the disciples. He starts off his Gospel with, in a sense, the Christmas story. But he starts it from the heaven view down. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Basically, what John paints is, all the way from the start, you have Jesus, and he was the Son of God, and he was with God. From the very beginning, he was in heaven, before he ever came. Well, then you get to John chapter 3, and Jesus has this encounter. He's been teaching for a short while in that region, and you have this man, he was a Pharisee, he was one of the Jewish rulers, the Jewish leaders, really kind of leading spiritually all of the people of Israel, and he comes to Jesus at night, and there's speculation, why did he come at night? We're not going to get into that. That's not the point. But Nicodemus is his name. He's a Pharisee. And he comes to Jesus at night, and he, he says something. And again, this is not our focal point, but this is really interesting. He says to Jesus, we, it's a plural pronoun, we all know that you are a teacher who has sent, been, been sent by God. The Pharisees, what in the world? That's who he's talking about as far as the we. And, and there's like, we recognize there's something going on here, but we're not ready to embrace you as our Savior. But Nicodemus, he's open-minded, at least in somewhat, and he's saying, we know that you're sent by God to teach. We get that. And so Jesus then begins to explain some things. This is the moment where he says, unless you are born again, and Nicodemus is confused by that again. That's not our point. But Jesus, then we get into verse 16. This is the sign that someone inevitably will have at any football game. You know, that John 3.16. And it's a wonderful passage, but it's so much deeper than just having putting it on a sign at a football game. Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, let me tell you, Nicodemus, I was there from the beginning. God loved this world so much that he was willing to send his son. Jesus is referring to himself. He was willing to send me into this world. For God so loved this world, everyone in it. We could put our names in there. For God so loved Ryan. For God so loved Brody. For God so loved Darla. Just, you can put your name in there and it doesn't diminish the reality of that statement. I don't care whose name you put in there. It is still a true statement that God so loved this world, that he was willing to give Christ into this world. And then we look at that, and oftentimes we can understand it, and we can own it. I have a little bit of an illustration. I'll kind of work through it here. I think it'll help us as, as I try to remember some of these passages. But we have a capacity. Here we are. We've been created by God. We have a capacity. This is us. And God loves us so much, and he wants to fill us up with, with that love. 
You know, and so we look at our lives as like, oh, I feel so empty. But then Jesus comes and he takes and he fills us up. I picked chocolate milk. Do you want to know why? It's delicious. There, there is no other reason why you wouldn't pick chocolate milk, right? That's right. Unless, of course, you're allergic to chocolate or something like that, then, or lactose intolerant, then by all means, you might want to pick chocolate lemonade instead. But we have been created to basically be filled up with this love of God. And when, when we recognize God loves us, when we recognize God loves us and he starts to fill us up, it's like, wow. He's really filled my life with some good stuff. That's what John 3.16 is all about. But it doesn't stop there. If you remember, if you know some of the, the scriptures, what we find, and I believe it's Matthew 22, and again, you're getting, you're getting a little bit of my trying to remember certain things. I'm going to grab all these things right now. We are to know and understand. If there's a goal here today, there's basically four aspects of love I want us to understand. And that's the first, God loves you. And I, maybe I'll show some verses up at the end here, but there's nothing that you can do that will take that love away. You can't. You can't say, God, you don't love me. It doesn't change the reality that he loves you and loves you desperately. Okay, that's, that's number one, first and foremost. But that doesn't stop there. We find in passages of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, says that we also are to love God. It's not out of an obligation. We may, there's passages that basically says, because of this, this is in 1 John chapter 4, because of this crazy love that God has for us, it uses this word ought, O-U-G-H-T, and we think, well, then we're forced to. That's not the point. Look at it this way. When my wife expresses love to me, what's my reaction? Well, that's good. You should do that more often. That's, that is number one, Okay. But there's a reality to it. Do I want to reciprocate that love? I do. It's natural. It flows. It happens. I don't have to, okay, well, let's see. She got me this new tool. Now I probably have to give her some flowers. I don't really want to because flowers die, and it's dumb to give flowers. That's not the reaction. It's like, you know, I just I want to express it. Do I always do that well? Don't ask her because she'll tell you, no, he does not. And she's right, okay? She's right. But yet the desire is there. I just want to understand. So we look at these passages like in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and then Jesus ends up saying it to me when they ask, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, here's the greatest commandment. Love God. So God loves you, but then we're also supposed to, in a sense, love God. Now, we can't give God back anything that we've created on our own. The only love that we're giving back is something that he's already given to us, okay? And then what Jesus says in Matthew 22, he says... And the second commandment is like it. Remember, Christmas. What happens at Christmas? Jesus came. Love came down at Christmas. And Jesus says in Matthew 22, it's like the second commandment is just like it. And that you are supposed to love others. That's what he says. So love your neighbor as yourself. And so basically what he's saying is, I've given you so much love, I want you to express some of that, that love to your neighbor. Well, sometimes we think, well, okay, I'll give some of my love, but then that empties me. But this is where, and I know it's an imperfect illustration, I understand that. It doesn't empty us because we have the love of God that continues, continues, continues to fill us. And so no matter how much I continue to pour out, he will continue to fill it up. Does that make sense? And so I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Well, sometimes we have neighbors, we get along with our neighbors just fine. 
All right, so it's not a real big deal. I, yeah, I'll keep loving my neighbor, and Jesus keeps filling me up. I'm good with that. In 1 John chapter 4, basically, it also says, love one another. And he actually goes on, he says, if you love one another, the, no, there's a wonderful passage, and I'm not going to get it. It's, it's all in my scripture here. You can look at it later if you want to. But here's the, here's the, the synopsis of it. He says in 1 John 4, no one's ever seen God, but when you love others, you let people see Jesus. That's really what it says. It's mind-blowing. And so by loving, for me, here it is, Jesus loves me. Thank you, Lord, that you have this capacity to love. He continues to fill me up. I can love my neighbor, and I can share that love. And what does that do? It reveals the love of God. Okay? But then... Jesus throws us a curveball in Matthew 5. And this is, i got to be honest, this is where we struggle. But this is Christmas. Jesus actually says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And it's like, well, they, they're not worth loving. Even if I did, they wouldn't receive it. And look at it. We, we envision them as having this lesser capacity to even understand and receive God's love. Well, you need to love them anyway. Okay, I'll give them a little bit of love. That's it. Okay? What, they, what do they do with it then? I, I love them, and what do they do with it? They dumped it out. I'm not doing that again. They treated me poorly. I'm not going to do that. And Jesus says, you need to love them. Fine, I'll love them a little bit more, but what are you going to do? And they say, they're just going to dump it out again, and that's what they did. They just dumped it out. That's not the point. The point of it is, you were called to love them. And we need to maybe stop looking at them as like this. And they're loved just as much as you are loved. Sometimes we think, I think like, God, I'm really good. I'm a big jar. They're the enemy. They're a little jar. And God's saying, hey, you don't get it. I love everyone. I have the capacity to love everyone. There might be people in this room you don't like. They're not a little jar. You're not some big jar. God loves you, and he wants to pour that love into you constantly. So much that just overflows. And your role is to let him pour into you. There's even a passage, and those are all on the screen. You don't need to see them. Just trust me that I, I looked them up, and they're there, okay? Can you do that? Uh, what's that? Oh, thanks, guys. You guys are amazing. Wow, look at you. Overachievers. I got some chocolate milk for you afterwards. I just, I want you to grasp this reality today. Just hear this. Okay, there's nothing you can do that will separate you from this crazy love that God, he wants this for everyone. You don't have the capacity to be able, the propensity to be able to take your love and fill someone else up fully. Okay, I can't love my wife to the extent that God can love her. I can't do it. I mean, I can, I can show who Jesus is to her, and I can show who Jesus is to you, and I can do that to the best that I can, but i got to be honest. I'm just a broken, cracked vessel, and I'm probably leaking milk all over the place. But Jesus is faithful to continue to love me no matter what I do, but he, she also needs his love. You also need his love, but so do your neighbors, so we, we love our neighbors. I mean that. And I'm not just making that up. Okay? We love our neighbors. And we do that at Christmas. We make the, the initiatives like we want to give themselves. So we, we go around and give cookies. Uh, 
and I, I don't know what all is happening with the neighbors. That's, that's not really my point, but some cool things have been taking place where we know them by name, sometimes by mistaken name, uh, but I learn, okay? I, I grow. Anyway, for the others who don't know the story, you can ask me later, I'll tell you. Uh, it's a great story, one of my best stories ever. But we love our neighbors, and they've started to reciprocate that love. Not that that's why we're doing it, but there's a beautiful thing starting to develop. Carissa, our, one of my daughters, actually said to me, I think it was just yesterday, she said, Dad, I feel like we really started something in the neighborhood. You know? And it's like, yeah, she did. You know, you're right. But well, I, I, we didn't start it. Jesus did. And all I'm doing is taking that love that's been poured into me and I want to pour it into others. But this is where it gets to be hard as I don't, oftentimes want to fill this one because I see it as like they're just going to dump it out. Jesus calls me to love all. They may dump it out. They may stand it on its head. They may throw it in my face. That doesn't make me change why I do what I do. I don't do it to get stuff back. I do it because Jesus loves me. I don't have to worry about emptying out my glass because he's going to fill it right back up because the reality of it is he wants my enemies to understand and say yes to being filled up with the love of Christ as well. They can dump it out. I can't make them take it. They can. It's Christmas, and this is what Christmas is about. It's about his love coming into this world that we can be free from the burden of sin and death. Why? Because he loved us. Just as I wrap it up, consider this. Two aspects. We can look at this video, and I wish I could have said it during the video because it just struck me as we were watching the video. In that video, it's online. It's on the Christian Mission Alliance website, so cmalliance.org. You can go back and watch the video again and just keep this in mind if you do that. But every time you see the word love, replace it with the word Jesus and see how true it is. You'll find like, wow, that's remarkable. Jesus is with us, okay? Over and over again in that video. Consider 1 Corinthians 13. This is that passage that you have at weddings, right? In 1 Corinthians 13, when it says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, put Jesus' name in there. Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. Hey, that's easy. Now put your own name in there. Ryan is patient, Ryan is kind. Ryan, Ryan's a loser. That doesn't fit in there. That's not what love is. But that's really the reality of it. The point of it is, I want to express love as Christ has loved me. He continues to fill me up. He doesn't stop. He's relentless in continuing to fill. And that's what a Christmas is all about, is his love. Will you accept and say yes to the love of Jesus? If you've never done that, say yes to the love of Jesus and receive eternal life. The scriptures are there. And then, when you understand that no matter how much love you pour out to others, he will continue to fill you up, will you continue? Will you commit to not only loving your neighbors, but also loving your enemies this Christmas as well? Christmas is about love. I'm going to invite Lane and Pam. They're going to lead us in a song that, that a number of people through the Alliance Church, this Alliance Church, wrote, and it fits so well with not only the theme for the play, but also for really this theme of Advent today, and it's love comes down, because love came down at Christmas in the form of Jesus Christ.